Hey, Disney fans, looking for the latest in Disney news? And interviews with some of Disney's biggest stars? Well, have we got the podcast for you. Welcome to D23 Inside Disney. I'm Jeffrey from D23. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And I'm Tony from Good Morning America. And together, we're taking you Inside Disney. Hello, Sherry. Hello, Jeffrey. Well, Tony is on vacation, so we are Tony free. But you know what? We had a couple weeks without you, you know, with all your wedding shenanigans. So it's true. It's uh, Tony's time. Tony has. Yes. Miss you, Tony. I hope you're listening. You're here in spirit. Tony, who? But want to start huge, huge, huge thank you to everyone for all of their kind wishes and notes and posts about the 100th episode of the pod. It was great. I heard from people I'd never heard from. Ryan O'Neill, who I'm assuming is obviously not the massive celebrity Ryan O'Neill, but still a great celebrity in his own right. (laughs) So we posted a story about our three favorite pods each Mm -hmm. on d23.com. And he chimed in his three were Brett Iwin, the voice Uh, of Mickey Mouse. Dan Silver, who used to oversee Unscripted for Disney Plus, and John Stamos. So definitely we hit some of those. Yeah, really good ones. So if you have not read that and seen ours, feel free to read them, reply to us. We want to know what your favorites were too. Yes, thank you to everyone for the congratulations for being here for our 101st episode. That's also a milestone. (laughs) It is. 101 Dalmatians. No, there's, <laughs> there's no Dalmatians here today. Not that I know of, sadly. <laughs> None in my closet, I think. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Well, I went out of town for my friend's birthday party, and we went to Phoenix, went tubing on the Salt River, which is right outside of Phoenix, Ooh, and wow. it was very fun. I was partially in charge of making our playlist, which ah. a huge responsibility So what I did was added some river slash water themed Disney songs. Such hits include, obviously just around the river bend. Sure. Okay, a little bit more tangential. I'll make a man out of you because of the lyric, swift as a coursing river, right? I like it, I like it. Under the sea, not a river song, but water adjacent. Yo-ho, a pirate's life for me from the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. Also, you know, not, Specifically a river song, but river in spirit. I like it. Yo-ho. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, Thanks. and everyone loves pirates. Everyone loves pirates. You know who especially loves pirates? Who? Our guest on the show today, Jeanette Lomboy. She is the vice president of Walt Disney Imagineering. I don't want to spoil too much, but you will hear her talk about her love of the attraction and all the incredible things that she is working on. She is such an inspiration. What a cool lady. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. There were some hidden things. Like I, I always like to ask the hidden things because we know that our pod listeners, they're familiar with Disney. They like to go a little yeah. deeper. So I they love know that. a thing or two. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What have you been up to, Jeffrey? I actually just started this new book that Disney Publishing put out called If the Shoe Fits. It's by Julie Murphy, who wrote Dumpling for ah. who read that book, which was fantastic. So it's great. It's a, obviously a little bit of a play on the Cinderella story. Um, maybe not obviously, but if the shoe fits Disney, there you go. Mm-hmm. So I just started it. I'm I'm totally in and it's uh, available now. So if uh, anyone else wants to read and tell me what their thoughts are, fantastic. Nice. But how about we get to some news? What's going on? Let's do it. Well, we've got some big news from our Disney music friends. Huge congratulations to them. Disney music Vivo just hit the 25 million subscriber milestone on YouTube with wow. over 18 billion views. That's wow. a lot of views. That's a lot of subscribers. 
congratulations. As you know, I love Disney music. Clearly, they've got River songs on that They do. YouTube. I love it. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, congratulations to our friends at Disney music. Also, did you see that our Friends at the Parks blog just announced that the Tanaya Stone Spa is coming to Disney's Grand Californian yes. Hotel on September 16th? I love a good spa. I mean, you love a spa. I love Exactly. And again, (laughs) uh, Jeanette, her team was responsible for some of the very cool design details that are in the spa. So she's going to talk a little bit about that with us and and some of the details that it blew my mind to hear the kind of attention to detail that they are paying uh, and that they have paid when they created this. So Mm -hmm. very much looking forward to getting a treatment and also appreciating all of the incredible work that Imagineering has done. Oh, I know we're trying to do D23 inside Disney at sea, but what about D23 inside Disney at spa? Uh, I'm Just putting in. it out there. I like it. I like it. I'm in. <laughs> I'm totally in. Well, right next door to the Grand Californian and across the country, the Disney's Magic Bake Off in-person experience is coming to downtown Disney District and Disney Springs. No. Very, very excited. On the West Coast this weekend, kids ages 7 to 12 can put their skills to the test decorating cupcakes with Disneyland chef Gracie. Space is limited. The event is free, so parents, make sure you sign up your little bakers starting at 4 p.m. each day at downtown Disney District stage. Then over on the East Coast, there is a photo op. That is right, Jeffrey. Oh, you know I love one. I know you love one. (laughs) So there are new photo walls this month. They are next to Disney's Days of Christmas store. Yeah. And you can become part of the poster for the show. So don't forget to tag these photos with hashtag Disney Magic Bake Off and hashtag Disney Springs. There's also a QR code for a special surprise. So don't forget to scan that. And check out the show, which is airing now on Disney Channel and Disney Now. Yay! And Jeffrey, guess what time it is? It's summertime. (laughs) Yes. Yes, correct. Which means it's time for Sherry's Christmas Corner. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. I think we need to establish some a more official segment. Sherry's Christmas Corner. Yes, with a little jingle in the background. Uh, It runs from December twenty sixth through December 25th of the following year until the end of time. So events have just been announced for Disney's very merriest after hours at Magic Kingdom. Mm. Takes place on 24 select nights, November 8th through December 21st. This year's holiday celebration is truly once in a lifetime because it coincides with the world's most magical celebration, aka Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. So all the magic quadrupled love it and some of my faves of this event include of course mickey's once upon a christmas time parade will forever have a special place in my heart shout out to my old pal yellow gingerbread man number three (laughs) we've got the jingle cruise we've got minnie's wonderful christmas time fireworks snowfall complimentary snacks the magic never ends that time of year is here it's been here in my heart all year and tickets go on sale this Friday. Nice, nice. We'll also come into Walt Disney World. We've been hearing about it for a while, but we know it is now opening in September. Space 220 <gasps> Restaurant at Epcot. Wow. It looks really cool. So our pal Zach Ridley gave guests a sneak peek of the venue on the Parks blog and on the Disney Parks TikTok page. It looks very cool. So you're eating 220 miles above Earth in the Centauri Space Station. Cool. You'll even 
get to look down at Epcot uh, and see it disappear as you go up in the magic space elevator or the space space elevator. The food sounds great. There's going to be a two course prefix menu for lunch, three course for dinner, unique mm. beverages. I'm mm. hoping there are some that are out of this world. Oh, I, oh, uh, nice. I could not, I could not resist. Stellar. And also nice news, uh, something that we were, had been looking forward to opening before everything happened in the universe. Cirque du Soleil is drawn to life, opening at Disney Springs on November 18th. So excited for this collaboration between Cirque, Walt Disney Animation Studios, and Walt Disney Imagineering. Sherry and I had the benefit of seeing some bits and previews of it um, when yes. we were there. Um, for the opening of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. It looks amazing. For those who do not remember, it's a story of Julie, who's a, a determined girl who discovers an unexpected gift left to her by her Disney animator father, which is an unfinished piece of animation. And she goes on a, a journey with some of our favorite characters to uh, complete that work. So cannot wait to see Drawn to Life. Mm-hmm. Well, this just in from Sherry's Christmas Corner. I need to I, I love it. <laughs> I like the I like the mix. The newest film from the Home Alone franchise, Home Sweet Home Alone, is coming Yay. to Disney Plus on November 12th. And so it's cool. about Max Mercer, who is a mischievous young boy. He's been left behind while his family is in Japan for the holidays. So a couple who's attempting to retrieve a priceless heirloom sets their sight on his family's home. So it's up to him to protect it from the trespassers. As you can imagine, hilarious hijinks will absolutely ensue. And the film stars some very funny people. Ellie Kemper, Keenan Thompson, friend of the pod, Ali Maki, Chris Yay. Parnell, and more. I am so excited for I I love the Home Alone movies. So fun. So fun. Yeah. Also coming to Disney Plus, Star Wars Visions. They just dropped a trailer. I, mm. I don't know if you saw it. It's, I did. Yeah. Oh, it is so cool. breathtaking. Like, And the music was just awesome, too. So for those who haven't heard us talk about it before, it's an anthology series that tells some new Star Wars stories through the style and tradition of Japanese anime. And of course, within the oeuvre, if you will, of Japanese anime, there's many different styles. It's gorgeous. They all mm. look incredible. Some of the voice talent for the English dub includes Lucy Liu, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bobby Moynihan, Neil Patrick Harris, Alison Brie, David Harbour, Henry Golding, wow. Jamie Chung, George Takei. I, it's amazing. It is just a potpourri of incredible voices. So <laughs> cannot wait to see that. And if you haven't caught the trailer, you can see it on starwars.com. But you know what it's time for? Uh, Sherry's Christmas Corner Part 3? Mm, no. Oh. It is time for five fantastic things to watch this weekend, courtesy of our friends at D23, the official Disney fan club. For complete details, visit D23.com. Jeffrey, what's up first? Well, up <laughs> first, coming to the Disney Plus library on Friday, August 20th is Aragon, that Ooh. film from a little bit ago, A Boy and His Dragon, that classic timeless tale, as old as time. Wait, what? Okay. <laughs> also on Friday, August 20th, a two-episode series premiere for Mickey Mouse Funhouse. Obviously, those are super adorable. My niece loved them when she was younger. I am sure that Aww. there will be many young people who will enjoy this. <laughs> and then coming on Saturday, August 21st on ABC, Stand Up to Cancer, the special. Um, it's back for its seventh biennial star-powered event mm. with just incredible talent. You know, Chandra Wilson from Grey's Anatomy, Jennifer Garner, who was my fave from Alias, Tony Hale, our pal from The Pod. And it's co-hosted by Anthony Anderson, of course, from Blackish, and, and Sofia Vergara, who was a Modern Family. So a whole lot of fantastic Disney 
representation. Chris Evans, uh, Denai mm. Guerrera, Jodie Comer. I mean, all, all people who've all been in Disney movies very recently. Paul Rudd. So many. Anyway, wow. uh, tune in ABC 8 p.m. on Saturday. Also on Saturday, it's the first anniversary of the one and only Ivan. Check it out. It's on Disney+. Plus. I can't believe it's already been a year. I still remember seeing that and just oh, I loved it. bawling. It's yep. so, so good. Mm. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And then on Sunday, cap off the weekend with a new episode of Celebrity Family Feud. Yay! So funny. I love that show. <laughs> Me too. 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC. We've got Vivica A. Fox facing off against Bill Bellamy. And in the next game, some Major League Baseball alums go head-to-head against their wives. Ooh. Yes. Wow. Okay. I like that. <laughs> On to our guest. This incredibly talented individual began her Disney career in 1995 as an attractions operator at Disneyland Park. She is now the vice president and site portfolio executive for Walt Disney Imagineering, overseeing the Disneyland Resort portfolio. In between, she has worked on everything from Pandora, the world of Avatar, and Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout to Alani, a Disney resort and spa, and Pixar Pier. We are thrilled to have her with us today. Please welcome Jeanette Lomboy. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm really, really happy to be here speaking to you. We are so happy to have you. So you have a very fancy title, Site Portfolio Executive. Can you please explain what that means? It just means I get to have a lot of fun with all the Imagineers that are essentially supporting all Imagineering efforts at the Disneyland Resort and Aulani. So that's everything from the things that we concept, create, design, construct, install, and even sustain, right? So soup to nuts is our presence at the Disneyland Resort and Aulani. Wow. wow. That's so not much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fun to do impossible things, but when you're doing things that you love at places that you love, you don't really notice, right? It's all passion. Very true. <laughs> well, one of the newest things coming to Disneyland is the Tanaya Stone Spa, which I am so, so excited for. And for anyone who hasn't read about it, there is a detailed story on d23.com. Can you talk about some of the details that Disney fans should be on the lookout for when they first visit that Imagineering worked on? Well, I'm really excited too. And I'm excited because the Tanaya Stone Spa is actually brought to you by the very same or many of the very same Imagineers who created the Lani Vice Spot Aulani. And it is designed with the same philosophy, cultural respect that we created at Aulani here at the Disney's Grand Californian Hotel. And Tanaya itself is actually a really important word. It's the Awanachi word for to dream, right? Or dream. Mm -hmm. And it's such a meaningful symbolic name and it all comes together in what's kind of our signature room. At the center of this room is the Tanaya stone. And I think to me, it is the spiritual center of the spa. It's the thing that draws so much energy and what people probably, our guests probably don't know unless they, they dig a little deeper is that this stone was a gift and was discovered and was revealed to us through direct descendants of Chief Tanaya in the kind of Mammoth June Lake area. And that was something that just sort of happened magically. And, and I will say that when you put your hearts in the right place and you try to create something with depth and meaning, everything clicks into place. And so when our guests walk into the space and they put their hands on the Tanaya stone, which has been around for millions and millions of untold years. And it's come from the roots of this people and that that spa is based on that culture and the treatments that they receive there are based on all of this. Our guests will feel it wow. and it's pretty magical. 
I love that the spa has a respect for the land with the Tanaya stone. And it feels obviously very similar to another project you and many of the Imagineers you, you mentioned worked on, Aulani. So the resort and spa is about to celebrate its 10th anniversary. Congratulations. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> I, I think many of our listeners are very familiar with the resort. We know incredible work was done to incorporate Hawaiian culture. So what are some of the fun Disney elements people may not know about at Elani to look for? Well, stepping back, I think sometimes people wonder, how do we do Disney in Hawaii, right? And when we asked ourselves these questions as we were designing Aulani, it really came down to kind of three things, at least to me, right? Which is to the Hawaiians, Ohana, our family is really important. And there's this subtle layer of magic that permeates the entire culture. And then of course, I think Hawaiians are the best storytellers in the world, my opinion. And when you think about Disney, right, we are about family storytelling and magic. So it's really easy to be both. And it's really easy to be both at Awani. And I think when we think about that and we start in that place, magic can exist everywhere. I believe that our guests will not mistake it for being Disney when they even walk through the Maka'ala, which is our lobby, as soon as you walk through Aulani and embedded at the center of the floor is what's what we call our compass rose. And there's a is, there's an Eva bird, which the Eva bird actually would show Hawaiians how to get back to land. So it was a navigational bird, right? It'd come out, you'd go out to sea, you'd follow it back, and you knew you would never lose your way. So it sets up our story. But what makes it Disney isn't that, you know, there's concrete, specific, very Disney characters embedded into the floor it's that there's this subtle layer of pixie dust and light and magic that permeates the floor every once in a while, right? And that isn't something that you would see anywhere else. It it sort of amplifies the Hawaiian story by giving it the best possible blank canvas, which Disney can do at Aulani, right? Also, you know, for our guests, they want to see Disney characters and we're happy to have Disney characters there. They're just on vacation alongside our guests. So Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. part of Disney is is there. And and like, let's talk about that subtle layer of magic, right? I love this idea of wonder and surprise, right? Like we carved a number of animals and creatures into our rock work all throughout Olumni. And if anybody asks me how many are carved, I'll never tell them how many there are carved because at a certain time of day, they'll reveal themselves, or it might be that water comes out of a rock formation and you see a humpback whale, for example, come to life. Like you actually can identify the, the feature of that. Or you're walking through the property and all of a sudden off in the distance, you might see a beautiful light fixture and it's got an image of a hula practitioner. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you might turn and she starts to dance uh, in the moonlight, right? There's these subtle layers of things that are truly Hawaiian in their, their inspiration and in their spirit. But it's Disney that's, a, that's given us the platform there to tell these stories in a unique and very magical Disney-like way. Mm. Wow. Well, speaking of the magic that's in the details, there are some new episodes of Behind the Attraction that are coming up. And one talks about castles, of which Disneyland obviously had the first, and one is about the Disneyland Hotel. What are some details that you love about both Sleeping Beauty Castle and the Disneyland Hotel? Well, I am a huge fan of Sleeping Beauty Castle. Disneyland has always been my home park and it is the original park and it is Walt's Park. And I love the scale of Sleeping Beauty Castle. I love how forced perspective coming down Main Street, you can actually see it all set up in this sort of glorious way. I love too that over the years, Sleeping Beauty Castle 
has evolved, right? And, you know, Sleeping Beauty Castle just got its most recent paint job a couple of years ago and she's glorious, right? So we restored these pink and blue jewel toned hues and there's beautiful gold leaf stars on her as well. And to me, you know, Walt saw Disneyland as this living, breathing entity that was always going to change. And in fact, he expected it. We all expected it. We knew it was never going to be completed. And so something as sort of sacred and as rooted and as iconic as Sleeping Beauty's Castle has also evolved over time. And maybe guests don't even notice it. And if they don't, that's great, right? Like we update it, we refresh it, we give it life, we give it a new palette, right? That's how we can still live up to Walt's promise, right? Is that we don't have to stay in the same place. We can always update things. So the same thing, right? This idea of change and evolution. If you look at the Disneyland Hotel, which opened just within a few years of Disneyland, it has evolved significantly throughout the years. I'm really, really proud that we're actually opening a brand new DVC tower in a couple of years here, and it will give the Disneyland Hotel new life. There will be new amenities as well. And so I'm really excited that change and, you know, adding new things is always at the forefront of what we do, both at Imagineering, but certainly and specifically at the Disneyland Resort and at Lonnie. Mm, yeah. I don't know if it's still there. I, there used to be right by the convention center, this great glass case that had just it, all of these name tags and piece, little bits of collectibles and things like that from over the years. It just was like a, this really fun amalgam of things to look at. I could just stare at it for hours in the Disneyland hotel. Lots of good history there. There is so much good history. In fact, if you walk from tower to tower, we have models, we have mm -hmm. artwork you may not be able to see anywhere else. I love in the lobby as well that we have historic images. I mean, I, I think it's, for me, I love that we have an opportunity so close to the park to be able to celebrate the things that have historically evolved over time. And so it's exciting, right? It's exciting to see change. It's been a long, long time since we've added any new towers to the Disneyland Hotel. So um, this is a big one for us and we're pretty excited. Yeah. yeah. Going back briefly to behind the attraction, was there anything that you learned about an attraction from being a part of the show? What didn't I learn about every attraction? <laughs> I have to say, you know, we Imagineers have so much respect for each other. Our history is long and deep and there's a lot of connective tissue. And in fact, you can tell we have a lot of respect for each other because we're always referencing each other. I mean, the first thing that we do whenever we're starting on any kind of new attraction that might even hint at maybe, you know, referring back to a previous attraction concept, we pull it all out of the archives and we look at all of it, right? And for us, for me, to actually see that all consolidated in this really meaningful way with these, with each one of these episodes and behind the attraction is really refreshing. Like, yes, of course, I knew that Haunted Mansion was a mix of scary and humor, right? But to see it actually play out in the way that it was cut together to really understand how the Imagineers had this sort of beautiful tension dance that actually made the product better. And to me, that's the kind of thing that we love, right? And that's the kind of thing where I think we have can come, Imagineers can come from all walks of life and create the most amazing product out of it, right? And that to me, it was fun. So for sure, I think Haunted Mansion is one of my favorite episodes because Haunted Mansion has always been one of my favorite rides at Disneyland. But I don't think I ever really fully appreciated how deep the tension between scary and humor went and really how it resulted in, in what we see and experience today. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of Haunted Mansion, while the park was closed, Disneyland got some new features, including enhancements to Haunted Mansion, Jungle Cruise, Snow White, and the Carousel. 
We've spoken a lot about Jungle Cruise here, but what are some of the details in Haunted Mansion, Snow White, or the carousel that guests should be on the lookout for, even if they've already been back to the park? We actually had a, got a lot of work done when the park was closed and we were, we were really, really busy. All the Imagineers were really quite busy gearing up towards when the park would reopen. And so we were really proud when our park reopened to be able to feature a lot of new ads to some of our classic favorites. So Snow White has always sort of been a scary attraction and it was really important to us to sort of celebrate the one ride through princess attraction at Disneyland. And to be able to make that a more satisfying, happy, enchanting story. And so while there are dozens and dozens of critters that now call the ride its home, I think I still really, really love that finale scene when you come through the forest and you see Snow White and the prince and you see them, you know, kiss and there's that embrace in it. And, and there's that moment where she has empowered herself to have a happily ever after and an ending there. And I think that magic, which is a classic attraction that we could just amplify that and make it um, more fleshed out and vibrant was truly special, especially the way that it was executed and done by our local WDI Anaheim team. And those Imagineers were working day in and day out under really difficult and challenging conditions when we were closed, right, in the, in the middle of the pandemic. And then I would say too, I mean, like, yeah, right in front of that King Arthur's carousel, I mean, it got a lot of TLC, we just, we repainted all of it we, and it looks vibrant and beautiful. There's new gold leafing and we went back to a more classic palette, right? And it certainly sings whenever you walk through the drawbridge and into Fantasyland proper and you see all of it come together, right? I, as you said, I actually started as a Fantasyland ride operator in 1995. And so Fantasyland has a special place in my heart. So to see it open Aww. like this and to see all these improvements, I wouldn't even call it improvements. It's like just magic, right? Mm. To this other level has been fantastic. In Haunted Mansion, yeah, one of my favorite things is that April through December is back, right? Not only is April mm -hmm. through, through <laughs> December back, right? I love that, like everything else, right? We, we really do try to bring things back better than ever. And not only is it great to have the portrait of April through December back, I also love that we have the one-eyed cat in the corner. And that, that was something that was really important to the local Imagineering team. They wanted to honor some concepts that have never seen the light of day, right, that were done early on for Haunted Mansion and to bring them back in a way that they finally have a place kind of shows you that you never know what we're going to evolve to and what we add in. And, and certainly back to our point about behind the attraction, that we're so respectful of our lineage and self-referential and that we make that experience for our guests that much better as we think about imagining the future in our parks. Mm -hmm. So Sherry and I were lucky enough to be at the opening of Avengers Campus. We did yes. a special episode from there. And the chef was very kind and we, I think, ate every single thing on every <laughs> menu in Avengers Campus. So we have our favorites, but we wanted to know, do you have a favorite treat, meal, thing to eat in Avengers Campus? You're going to really force me to pick my favorite child. It's cruel, yes. but it's- Yes, please. That's where we go. <laughs> oh, okay. My favorite thing to eat. Thank you for not saying drink because there's also a pretty robust beverage menu as well. Yes. But if I had to pick, I think the Choco Smash Candy Bar uh, is my yes. absolute favorite thing. And I don't know who these people are, these guests are that say they can't finish that whole thing by themselves because I'm pretty sure that somehow I managed to scarf that thing down. It's that <laughs> lovely balance of gooey, marshmallowy, chocolatey, the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. So good. So delightful. And of course, you know, gosh, 
the way that the food is packaged, right? And then, and in the setting and how clever and smart it all comes together. I mean, it only lends to that experience. So yeah, I would have to say for sure the candy bar is my favorite. And I can't believe I'm admitting that, but I guess I'm not the only one because I'm sure there's a lot of you listening that would say the same thing. Oh, oh yeah, that and the falafel are neck and neck for me. <laughs> oh, the shawarma, of course. How yes. could I? You just brought up the shawarma. Uh, that's yeah. tough. I mean, you have there's to have both. You can't just eat one, right? You have True. to have you have to balance it out. You got to have a little protein and then you got to have a little sweet. So maybe we can buy them. A big chicken sandwich (laughs) for me though. I just can't. Anyway, there's too much, but the Choco Smash, very quick, funny story. When we were filming that episode, Sherry and I, we decided, okay, we're going to split up the things that we're eating, but we'll only eat half and then trade so the other one can taste it. So Sherry did a very good job of eating half. And just as we were about to switch plates, she got pulled to go do something to go ride the attraction. And I was like, I'd only eaten half my Choco Smash bar. So then I finished it as well as everything on her plate. It was embarrassing. Gluttony. Someone had to do it. You know, I have to say the food has been exceptional at Vendors Campus. In fact, it's my favorite place to eat when I am at the resort walking through the park. So I'm sorry to other food venues. I love you all, but that chocolate bar, the shawarma. It is impressive. (laughs) Well, taking it beyond the food, do you have a favorite hidden detail or Easter egg in Avengers Campus? Oh, wow. Aren't there a million favorite little details (laughs) and Easter eggs that are hidden throughout Avengers Campus? So the Imagineering team really thinks long and hard about making sure that we design experiences that are not meant to be revealed the first time you walk through a land or on a ride or in a restaurant. We want some things to be clear to you so that you know where you are. But in the case of Avengers Campus, we wanted to be true to the films as well. And we wanted to make sure that you didn't see all of these hidden Easter eggs right away. And so some of my favorite things include even things like on the facade of the building outside of Web Slingers. Like there are so many things that we reference. We reference everything from Howard Stark to Hulk to, I mean, it's, it, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, walking through Mystic Gardens, right? Like even just knowing the backstory of some of those items, they are all incredibly detailed. I even love that the ride vehicle itself references Moon Girl, which is not something even our guests will know immediately, but they will likely maybe know it in the future, right? It's definitely one of these things where I, I think if we have the richness and depth of the stories and the characters that we do, and we put them into Avengers Campus, it sort of gives us a platform to tell all kinds of stories. And so and they're not stories, again, that you'll get the first time. It might take countless times. And so I'm excited. And I, I don't have a favorite because there's just so many of them. <laughs> Those are right? good. But definitely keep your eyes open and peeled, right? I love even the lockers and all the stories on, the, on each. Yes. The lockers yes. in the queue, right? For web slingers, right? Like all of those little details. And trust me, I mean, like, I can't even like, my head's like swarming right now because, you know, even when you're sitting there in the pre-show, like seeing all the hidden things that we popped in there as well is like, we self-reference each other often. And it's it's a respect for our stories. It's respect for those that came before us who created those stories. It's respect for the films and the characters. It's respect for our guests who want to see the breadcrumbs. But then, you know, 10 years from now, I hope you discover something that you did not notice before because that's what we hoped and intended. So Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is coming to Disneyland in 2023. We loved experiencing the attraction of Walt Disney World. So any hints what to expect here, how much you're going to make it a part of the Toontown universe, will Chuby's role be elevated as it should be? 
Well, here's what I would say. I'm really excited that Mickey Minnie Runaway Railway is coming to the Disneyland Resort as well. And I'm really excited that it will be the anchor for Toontown for sure. Listen, we all know and love the attraction in Florida. So you can imagine what it's going to be like for Toontown. So I'll leave it at that. Just know that it's purposeful, right? It's purposeful to put Mickey and Minnie in there. And it didn't make any sense for Disneyland Resort not to get this ride, especially since Toontown is the home of Mickey and Minnie. So super excited that it'll be the new anchor for the land. And I'm excited about the opportunities and the potential from there. Can't wait to reunite with Chuby. Yeah. (laughs) He's our favorite. Yes. You mentioned that you were an attractions operator at Fantasyland at Disneyland. So which attractions did you work on? Oh, well, when I was a little girl, I grew up 10 (laughs) minutes away from Disneyland in Cerritos, California. And Disneyland was an extension of our backyard, practically. My parents took me out there all the time. That was back in the days with the ABCDE ticket books. And my fervent wish and dream was to grow up to become a storybook land ride operator. I wanted to be that girl who sat up on the boat and told stories because stories have always been incredibly important to me. When I got a little bit older, I think I was in high school when I realized, well, that's great. I want to, I want to operate the rides, but I'd be really cool if I got to design the rides, right? So I wanted to then be an Imagineer, but I did get that first dream. And so uh, in 1995, I became a Fantasyland ride operator. And my first summer, I was a Storybook Land ride operator and got to tell stories. In fact, yeah, and a number of other Fantasyland rides too, like Dumbo, Teacups, Alice in Wonderland. So all kinds of things. I also did work Toontown as well. You know, a whole bunch of things, but definitely I think- you know, to have finally been that story girl, which was my dream as a child, was huge for me. It's like sort of it's like the first big foundational step before the dream of becoming an Imagineer became a thing too. Oh, I love that. I do too. It's like from telling our stories to telling our stories. Like that's, I mean, talk about full circle. Oh yes. And then to be able to be the caretaker to tell stories at Disneyland, right? And, you know, we update things all the time and we updated the script for Storybook Land a couple of years ago. And I, I got to, to be a part of that. And I thought, wow, I feel like I'm coming full circle, right? Like I was that little girl once that just wanted to tell stories to guests. And now I get to be the Imagineer that gets to tell stories to guests it's just really, really humbling at the same time to know that all of these dreams can come true. And I pinch myself every day <laughs> that that's the case. Hmm. You have worked on a lot of cool projects, but is there one attraction you did not work on, but wish you had? It doesn't have to be within your lifetime. It could have just been ever. Oh, Jeffrey, you've stumped me. Wow. <laughs> I think... I'm going to go with my favorite attraction of all time. And my favorite attraction of all time is Disneyland's Pirates of the Caribbean. And and I say this because as a little girl to have been immersed in that world in a period of time that I couldn't even grasp, it sort of blew open my mind. I think to have thought about experiences at that scale, like, you know, when you come through and you're in the, the battle scene, right, with the cannonballs and... To me, anybody could create that and use all all the tricks in the tool belt to be able to do that. It's just astounding. And and I would have loved to have learned from classic Imagineers and creating that and to create something of that scale that was incredibly eye-opening at the time. I can't even imagine what Pirates would have been like if you were there on opening day. There was nothing at all like it. And then you fast forward to Pirates of the Caribbean in Shanghai today, which is like, just takes to another level and is so over the top. I mean, to me, that's where we learn what it is to be an Imagineer, which is to think 
that the impossible is possible and to blow open anything we've done before and to, to make that impossibility possible for our guests around the world. I would have loved wow. to have even been a fly on the wall mm-hmm. uh, when, when Pirates was being designed. Amazing. Well, Jeanette, it has been so magical to talk to you. We are sadly at our last question that we ask all of our guests. And that question is, what is your favorite Disney memory? Oh, wow. My favorite Disney memory is absolutely one that I never expected, which is when I was a little girl, I knew that I wanted to operate rides at Disneyland, which I'm doing. And then when I got a little bit older, I knew I wanted to be an Imagineer to create rides and experiences for guests around the world. I never took my children into account. I never thought a step further to say, what would it be like to have your kids? And so my favorite memory is actually recently, um, the day before we reopened Disneyland, I was very fortunate to bring my kids to the park as part of tests. And the kids had not been in Disneyland in a couple of years. They weren't supposed to run, but they ran down Main Street. They were the first ones through the turnstiles. They ran through the hub. They ran through the castle, crossed the drawbridge as the first kids. They came back around and they just gave me a big giant hug. And I was like, right. I had no idea. I was also doing this for my own children. I never expected that I could get this kind of fulfillment in my life, not just from my career, but for my own personal life, my children and, and, and what that means to generations. And that one thing amplified by all the guests that go to our parks worldwide, I think really encapsulates that for me. So it was sort of like layers upon layers. Here's this ex ride operator at Disneyland who oversees Disneyland. It just closed, it opened. And here are my kids enjoying it and saying, mom, thank you so much. Blew my mind. Favorite Disney memory ever. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm sure that'll be one of their favorite Disney memories ever too. Right. I hope uh, so. Or they'll just forget about it and say, what's next, mom? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jenna, thank you so much. This was fantastic. And can't wait to see what is next. Well, Jeffrey, <laughs> Sherry, it's a pleasure. And it's I'm happy to talk what's next next time. Anytime. Awesome. Woo-hoo. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you. She has such a cool job. Yeah. Such I a mean, cool job. And I really love that storyteller to storyteller, like from being on the storybook boats to now being yes. a, a storyteller herself for the company. What a great oh. story. And the details, like I've been on Haunted Mansion several times since the park reopened. I need to find this one-eyed cat. I am apparently yes, am like, I'm going too quickly. I don't know. I'm just so excited <laughs> about getting in my doom buggy. But what can you do? What can you do? I guess go to Disneyland again. Yay. Well, Thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news, Tony, and a fantastic guest on an all new episode of D23 (laughs) Inside Inside Disney. Disney.